1: to the Poetry on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is is where we get back to basics. (laughs) We examine the Book of Acts Church. We try to follow their example. And in doing so, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, because the one that man created just isn't getting the job done. We follow the red-letter basics of the Word of God. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We take it as it is. We look for its meaning. the Greek, the Hebrew, what were they trying to say, and what was the intention? That's what the porch is about, restoring the priesthood of the believer in a pure, effective, fire-filled Word. We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The Porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit, since January of 2000. That website's on solomonsporch.org, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can contact us there. There's ways to support us. We appreciate each and every one of you that do. We ask that you give us Lord Leads. If you know of people that could bless us and bless what we're doing, let them know who we are. Send them a link. Send them a download. You can also support us via PayPal or the Venmo app, which is at Firefall Media Group. That's our Venmo account. It's easier, user-friendly, and less fees. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site on Firefall Talk Radio. It's the main address for all of the podcasts, Spreaker.com, user, Firefall Talk Radio. And we are also being archived and broadcast on Spotify, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcasts. So make sure you listen, make sure you share, let everybody know who we are and what we're doing. So welcome. Overwatch is going through another refining to find the show that the Lord wants. As When I began Overwatch, I really wanted it to be an in-depth, investigative um, kind of show, and it has been, and it's taken a lot of work, and it's really done some Some of the best work I think I've done, but it just doesn't seem to be catching on And my sense from the Lord that it's time to back up a bit, tweak it, find out what he wants, find out through prayer what I want, and um, we'll be back. It's not done. Overwatch will be back. Until then, you can listen to the archived episodes on Firefall Talk Radio. You can stay in touch with us on Facebook.com, Supernatural Response Team. That's the SRT Overwatch info page, and we post things about the end times, prophecy, stuff going on in the world. I'm also going to be posting classic episodes of Reflections in the Dark from its nine-year history. It's going to take me a little while to go through them, listen to them, edit out anything that no longer applies. Um, I got an idea. I know some of you really want community and fellowship. You don't have a local church. You don't have local people to pray with, um, to edify you, to fellowship with, and to support you. So I've got an idea, and I'm going to see if I can make it work, of creating some kind of a forum or a place where people can come together to do that. I have somebody that I'm going to reach out to about that, see if that person can do it and what it would take. If it's something you want and you will use it, and might even be able to possibly help support it. Firefall is going to cover the cost, but if you can help support it, that would be great. Then I'll I'll get it done. Just let me know. Reach out to us on firefalltalkradio.com. Go to the um, contact button or write me at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com. Just as a reminder, September 19th, Feast of Trumpets, September 28th, Day of Atonement, October 3rd through the 9th is the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, praise reports per request. A reminder that the new format, some of you not either listening or missed some of the reports. Um, if you have something urgent and you need prayer and you want it to go out, then let me know and I will share it on your behalf. Otherwise, you pray along with me and um, or I can send it out to the community. We have some people that have committed to pray when the need arises. But I always start out with praise reports and prayer requests, no matter where I am, whether teaching, speaking, or whatever. So I I praise the Lord, praise Him for my salvation, without which nothing else matters. I praise Him for my home, in which I'm doing this. um, My lovely wife of 40 years, um, family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, everything we have. God has been amazing. Amazing to us. We are blessed. We praise him for his protection. He has definitely protected us from natural things and supernatural things. Praise him for the ministry that he allows me to work. I will always work for him. This will always be his. You'll never see my name on this ministry. I praise him for the dreams and the visions of which they have been many. It doesn't seem like I can close my eyes without being in the middle of one. Praise Him for His healing virtues that are still available to each and every one of us. I just praise Him that I can praise Him. I can make a joyful noise. I can blow my shofar. I can shout. I can sing. I can dance. I don't care what people think. I don't care what the world thinks. Maybe they'll get blessed. Maybe they'll hear the as They go walking by the house and it'll stir them. Who knows? But I'm, I'm thankful that I can do that, that he saved me, that he claimed me, he rescued me, he delivered me. I'm a new creation. I praise him for that. I'm living in prophetic times. I praise him for that. I'm living in America with all of its problems, all of the nastiness and messiness. I still think it's the best place on the earth. I praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. Boy, do we need him to return. So let's get ready. Let's pray for the Middle East. Praise for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Father, we pray for Jerusalem. We pray for the leaders. We pray for the nation Israel. We pray for your children there and those that have been grafted into the divine, your church. We pray blessing and protection, provision. We pray guidance. We pray for the America and its leaders and its citizens right now. Lord, we need the righteous people to rise up, to stand up. We need need those who can pray to pray. We need those who can lead to lead. We need you in America right now, Lord. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocents in the womb, out of the womb, whether human or animal. Lord, we have been such awful stewards of your creation. Forgive us. We pray for the missing and exploited children, those that have been victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking. The numbers are astronomical. And although we've seen more arrests in that regard over the last three years, the media doesn't want to talk about it. And there's a reason for that. You can figure out why the media doesn't want to report on their own. Oops, I think I said that. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Religious persecution, anti-Semitism, the spirit of the Antichrist. We're seeing anarchy. We're seeing the demons acting out. We're seeing the preparation for the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. I'll tell you one thing, this boy will never bend his knee to anyone, natural or supernatural. I only bend it to the Lord. Pray for divine wholeness and health and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Each and every one of you, from me to my wife, sons, daughter-in-law's grandson, to every one of you right now, in the name of Yeshua, let's be healed. Let's be recreated. Let's tell our body to stop creating damaged cells. Go back to the design that he had for us in the womb. Lord, we just Claim healing and restoration. We claim renewal. We claim rejuvenation. Change us so that you can use us, Lord. So that we can run and not be weary. We can walk and not faint. We can rise up with wings as eagles. I pray for the protection and inspiration for us, for the remnant, and for the for them to wake up, to rise up, answer the call, answer the call, answer it. For those who've been blessed, to be a blessing. If you're if you've been blessed, then be a blessing. If you know somebody that's been blessed, tell him, hey, we got some people you can be a blessing to. Larry and I've been praying almost every day, and we're praying for the Lord to connect the dots from those that He has blessed beyond measure, those that have six and seven figured blessings to find us, to find Firefall, to find SRT, to find the porch. We have things to do. We have places to go, people to save, strongholds to tear down. We need to prosper in accordance with his word for the sake of his kingdom that the open conduits of his blessings would fund the dreams, would fund the visions and the missions, that we could become highly mobile, highly effective in these times. Continue to pray for divine favor in the conclusion of ongoing legal matters that just seem to drag on and the adversity our family has been going through. And, of course, we pray for all of our lost family members. The most important thing you can do is lead them to the Lord. So, Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua. We come to you in the name above all names. And we do so by boldly approaching the throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we love you. We need you. We just need to be close to you. Lord, we need to hide under the shadow of your wings. We need to cling to you like the woman with the issue of blood. We need to just reach out and grab a hold of those promises grab a hold of you. Father, thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. Thank you for redeeming us and sending Yeshua to die for us. Lord, we thank you for the cross, the blood you shed, the pain you endured, the shame you took upon yourself for us. But we thank you that the tomb is empty that you are sitting at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power, and that you sent back your Holy Spirit, that the first place it stopped was the upper room and filled your disciples and all those waiting, and now it fills each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, have your way with us tonight. Tell us what you want to tell us. Open our ears so we can hear. Open our eyes so we can see. Change our hearts and change us so that we can be functional and useful in the kingdom of God. And I pray all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where none of the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the manner presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And my goal is to get you prepared to be used by the Lord as a part of this remnant. He needs you. You need it now. Not later. You need it now. And you may think, I'm not qualified. Well, you get qualified by doing. You learn by doing. Faith and action come together to create a, a dynamic, explosive change in you and in the world. We've been called to build his kingdom with no distinctions except him. A mindset with no distinctions or restrictions. He doesn't call the prepared. He prepares those he calls. As I've said, the disciples weren't ready. He sent them out before they were ready. They were willing. Are you willing? We've been talking about there are two kinds of people in this world, natural and spiritual. Now we're going to go a little further. We're going to talk about the two kingdoms and the kingdom life in a fallen world. But you decide whether you're going to be natural or spiritual. You decide which one you will be. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, is willing to teach and transform anyone who wants it. If you decide to walk in this kingdom of God lifestyle that we're talking about Then you need to understand the ramifications, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to read you verses 1 through 18. That's what we'll be taking the next two weeks to look at. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Messiah, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Yeshua's sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus the Messiah. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Yeshua so that the life of Yeshua may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Yeshua so that the life of Yeshua will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Yeshua and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever paul wrote first corinthians during the last year of his ministry in ephesus which was his third missionary journey second corinthians was written shortly after first corinthians and thought to have been written shortly after his first letter which was around ad 55 or 56 probably early spring of ad 56 according to Tradition, early tradition, Paul wrote Second Corinthians from Philippi. So what he's doing, he's defending his ministry. He's opening his heart. He's being transparent with deep, deep emotion. He reveals his strong love for the church in Corinth. His ardent zeal for the glory of God, his uncompromising loyalty to the truth of the gospel and his stern indignation in confronting those who would disrupt the fellowship of the church. See, his life was bound up in the life of his converts, and he was not coldly professional in his ministry. This is an example of what it's supposed to be like. This is an example of what a shepherd does for a flock. Jump back to 2 Corinthians 1, verses 5 and 6. For the more we suffer for Messiah, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Messiah. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. When we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you, and then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We could spare ourselves a whole lot of anxiety, In our efforts at evangelism, if we would just remember one simple thing, that witnessing to others about Messiah is serious spiritual warfare. Satan actively opposes our efforts in everything that we do. If you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, you may not do what Paul did. You may not do what I do. You probably won't do what SRT does, but you'll do an aspect of it. And if you're going to be effective for him at all in these final days, in these end times, you need to take an honest look at it. So what Paul does is he draws some conclusions for us about his ministry. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 6. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Messiah. It is not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. So it's a New Testament, it's a new covenant ministry, and it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it didn't come through human ability. It came by God's mercy through Paul. The problem we have in the church today is there's too many people building their own kingdoms and their own ministries, and they're doing it through their own natural efforts. And that's why it's, in my opinion, so ineffective. It's a ministry of life, it's a ministry of righteousness. It's a glorious ministry of liberty. 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians 3, we'll pick it up with verse 7. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit Is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of this new way. He's talking about the Holy Spirit inside of you, picking up verse 11. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. You are filled with the Spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead. You are filled with the Spirit and the power he used to create everything. The creative power of Almighty God is inside of you. So much glorious than what anybody under the old covenant experienced. Let's pick up 2 Corinthians 3 with verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's emancipation from bondage, freedom from bondage. And all of us, as with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured. We're being transformed into his own image in the ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. From glory to glory, you're being changed. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You want to? Do you want to be different? Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be more functionally useful in the kingdom of God? Well, you have to spend time in His presence. When you spend time in His presence you absorb his glory you absorb his nature you begin to become more like him you become transformed and that phrase the lord is the spirit is it's an it's an assertion that no one can turn to the lord no one can become free without knowing the ministry of the holy spirit at the same time Too many people have made a mouth confession that hasn't made it to their heart and they have not embraced the infilling of the Holy Spirit and they still walk in bondage. They still trip over their old grave clothes that are dragging behind them. When the heart turns to God, when the heart is filled with the Spirit, when that liberty happens, when that emancipation happens, the spiritual blindness is taken away. That conversion is turning us back towards God. We turn to him once more. We can see him. We can hear him. We can feel him. We can understand him. That's what it was all about. That started in the book of Acts chapter um, 3. When... People wanted to know, what shall we do? When they heard the gospel message from Peter, what shall we do? Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When was the last time you felt refreshed? Be honest with yourself. Maybe it was in prayer or praise this morning. Maybe it hasn't been in a long time. Why aren't you living that life? Why aren't you living that emancipated freedom from the sin and the bondage and the slavery of this world? Why aren't you living in the joy? You have to figure that out because it's there. The believer who turns to the Lord has freedom. Freedom in the spirit. Freedom in everything. Heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And we receive something Moses never knew. We receive the glory of the Lord inside of us and it stays. It doesn't fade. It's here with us in this life and it carries us into the next. And Paul tells us not to lose heart. It's real easy in a fallen world to lose heart. It's real easy with everything going on in this world right now to become weary, to become tired or to despair. That's what it means to lose heart. Galatians 6, 9 reminds us, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In due time, at the appointed season, we'll reap a harvest. So don't faint. Don't fear. Don't lose your courage. Romans 8:28 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you need encouragement from the Lord, then read the parables. Luke 18.1, he says, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. What parable was that? The parable of the persistent widow. Let's, let's get real. As believers in Yeshua in a fallen world in a society that really doesn't want him, you can tell me all you want, one nation under God and God we trust. But the fact is in reality they don't they don't want it. they don't want you to talk about it. They definitely don't want you to set the captives free we We can and we will face trials, but we will also persevere through persistent prayer. 2 Corinthians 4.1, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So, no matter how difficult the task was, no matter how great the opposition, Paul did not retreat, and he would not shut up. He spoke boldly. Because he was motivated by the grace of God. A.W. Tozer says, A frightened world needs a fearless church. Let me say that again. A frightened world needs a fearless church. We're not to be fearful, we're to be faithful. We're not to be foolish, but we are to be fearless. We need to stand up. We need to speak up. We need to pray. We need to push back. We need to shine the light into the darkness. We need to be who we're called to be. So Paul was dealing with people that were accusing him of being unscrupulous, handling the word of God deceitfully. Um, He rejected their accusations of craftiness. 2 Corinthians 2.17, we are not like so many, like hucksters making a trade of peddling God's word, shortchanging and adulterating the divine message, but like men of sincerity and the purest motives as commissioned and sent by God, we speak his message in the Messiah in the very sight and presence of God. Paul was being accused of being cunning and deceitful in the way he preached. And he was defending his ministry because it was based on the truthfulness of God's Word. From then to now, people complained about teachers who draw attention to themselves rather than to helpful teachings. And I don't think Paul did that. But I also know people get jealous Things happen, accusations come. But in this case, it was destroying the church and he had to answer it. But in everything, he talks about the comfort that he experienced through everything, through the risen Messiah. That in the midst of his hardships, he reveals Yeshua as the source of a believer's comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 5. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will give, be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Messiah, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Messiah. Why are we so afraid? Why don't we expect him to comfort us? Why do we fear failure, fear rejection? Why won't we speak up, even if it's just a word of encouragement or love? Given Paul's personal tragedies, Yeshua as comforter is the major major emphasis of this letter. But if you look further, you'll find much more than that. Yeshua is celebrated as our triumph. He's celebrated as our light. He's celebrated as our reconciliation, our substitute, our gift, and our strength. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, Let there be light shone out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus the Messiah. Any message? That isn't focused on the Lord. Any message that doesn't point back to him. Any message that doesn't make him the answer to all the questions. I do not believe is from the throne room. As God commanded the light to shine in the darkness at creation. Genesis 1-3. God said let there be light and there was light. So through salvation, he turned on the light in people's hearts so they can see who Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, is. Conversely, people who do not believe are blinded by Satan, blinded by Satan, but believers see the light. God spoke the light out of the darkness, and Paul Paul is using it in a messianic context. But the fact is, in all the darkness going on right now, boy, is there a lot of it. Where are the light bearers? And I don't, I don't mean the religious people that show up and do the religious thing. Now, I did see a story about on the corner where that man George Floyd died. Somebody decided to hold uh, services and preach and got people saved. And people were getting baptized in tubs on the corner on the street. They took advantage of the situation and brought some light into the darkness. And it broke through people's lives and they got saved. And we look at that and think how great it is because we don't see it very much. And I think I know why. People are afraid. They're afraid of the world. They're afraid of of others. They're afraid of what the enemy is going to do. Paul talks about the God of this age, the God of this world is Satan, also called the adversary, Hasatan, our archenemy, the kingdom of God's greatest adversary. And of course, he's not the only one. There are other fallen watchers, fallen angels. They're all demonic offspring out there looking to wreak havoc. If you haven't noticed, there's a whole lot of those demonic offspring out there right now. well, what are we going to do? We're going to run? We're going to turn and hide? We're going to say, oh, I can't say anything? I might get attacked? If only, if only the majority of the church had the fearless nature to speak the word and endure whatever happened, how much more effective could we be? We've been told to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. See if you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, you you can't be afraid of that. But if you're going to witness to people. Don't be surprised if they don't get it. Don't be surprised if they don't receive it. Unbelievers have a barrier to overcome. The God of this age, the God of this world, has blinded their minds. Their eyes are covered. They've been so taken over by Satan's deceptions that what they think is truth is a lie. What they think is their truth is painfully wrong. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The Lord talked about it in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. This world we live in, this thing called the present age, is characterized by evil and sin and death, debauchery, things that you can't even speak about publicly without being embarrassed or sickened. And even though Satan is identified as the ruler, the god of this world, his kingdom is vast and he has a lot of others ruling in areas and serving them, both natural and supernatural. And they blinded the minds of those who are unbelievers, those who are not born again, those who have not been redeemed. And he masquerades even as some as an angel of light, convincing the world that good is evil and evil is good. It's never been easier for him to do that than there is now. The media helps him. Entertainment helps him. Hollywood helps him. They serve him, they don't serve God. And while people do go in there and set up a a campsite and light a fire and hope that people see it, the majority of that world is darkness. But he's been judged. He's a loser. Loser. John twelve thirty one. the judgment of this world is coming upon. The sentence is being passed on this world for the ruler, the evil genius, the prince of this world shall be cast out and expelled. When the Lord showed up and began to preach the kingdom of God, when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, That began the death knell for the kingdom of darkness. We should be walking in the total confidence and victory of the cross, victory of the empty tomb, victory of the upper room. We should be rolling right across the top of the enemy like a conquering army. And yet, what do we have? We have some resistance fighters that are trying to take it all on because... The church itself has abdicated, has sat down. They have surrendered. Unless you break through the darkness, unless you get them to see, they're going to choose not to believe. So the good news, the gospel divides people into two categories, those who remain in darkness and those who are enlightened in the light by God. See, that was Paul's mission from the Lord. He had a mission statement. He states it in Acts twenty six eighteen. The Lord told them to go to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by me in faith. Paul had a mission statement. He had a plan. He followed it. Some of you sit in places, you call them churches, forgetting you are the church, but you fellowship with people in buildings. What's their mission statement? What are they doing? Are people getting saved, healed, and delivered? Is anybody doing anything to push back the darkness? Or is it just a Christian country club? What is it? And I get it. Well, I don't really get it, but I understand it. No, no, it's true. I don't I don't understand. It. The world's dying. Your family members are dying. Your loved ones are dying. This nation is dying. What's it going to take for you to answer the call? God's action in bringing people to himself is a movement from the a realm governed by darkness to the light of his presence. It's a transition, this movement. It's not stagnant. It's not sedentary. Colossians 1, 12-14, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. And he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the God of this world will fight that change. He fights against the good news, he fights against it getting into people's hearts and their minds and their eyes being open. But you know what? I don't care. And I'm asking you to get to the point where you don't care that you're going to do whatever it takes. When I say to you in the beginning, hey, you know somebody that's been blessed, tell them about who we are. We have a plan. We have a desire. The Lord says he looks for someone to stand in a gap. We say, here we are. Send us. We'll do it. We'll go. We just need the provision. We just need the wherewithal. But we'll go. We'll take on all comers. We'll go rescue the lambs that have wandered off. We'll destroy the strongholds. We'll confront the enemy. The God of this world has nothing on us. We serve the God of all creation. We serve the one who spoke him into existence. And we understand that this world, this age, has been blinded by him, been blinded by his servants. And we also understand something else. We're not arrogant. We're not foolish. We're just earthen vessels. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4-7. What he's talking about is those are vessels that are made from clay. And they've been hardened by fire. In its natural state, clay was seldom fit to be used for pottery. It took several stages of preparation Mixing the clay with water, adding straw, sand, shelves, pulverized pieces of pots to it, kneading it with the hands or the feet to remove the air bubbles. It had to go through a process. We have to go through a process. And Paul was emphasizing that the weakness of our humanity, the weakness of who we are, in, and you compared it to common clay pots, but once you go through the process, once you've gone through the fire, once he has molded you, once he has taken the other things and strengthened you, you're useful. But the truth is unlike bronze or much more expensive vessels, jars of clay were inexpensive. They were disposable when they were broken. See, Corinth understood this because they produced the clay pottery that I'm talking about, notably ceramic lamps. They understood that the human body was a vessel containing a soul, and Paul was taking what they knew and tying it to the gospel that we are frail in our humanity, but we're filled with his divine glory. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. This my soul knows well. Isaiah twenty nine sixteen. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing that made say of him who made it? He did not make me, or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? That imagery of us, him being potter and us being the clay, is throughout the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. But when he makes something, he does good work. Your good work. Trust that. And Paul used that expression, hard-pressed. That means aff- afflicted, troubled on every side. And he had a reason for that. He says in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, For indeed we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Every side means inside and outside. Have you ever felt like that I know I have we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed one of my favorite scriptures second corinthians four eight and nine yeah i may I may have the conflicts and the fears and I may be hard pressed on every side I may be afflicted I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed. I I, I don't understand. I'm at a loss, but I'm not in despair. Persecuted by a fallen world and a kingdom of darkness, but I am not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul understood what it meant to be struck down. He was not in despair. He was not utterly at a loss. He had faced trials. He came through them. As believers, we're going to face trials. That's about the second or third time I've said this tonight. But we must remember that God controls the trials. And he uses them to strengthen us. God's glory is manifested through broken vessels, through people who endure trouble by relying on him. He can fix anything that's broken. We may be hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We may get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. If you've read the book, if you've heard me speak, I've shared stories. We have some glorious victories and we've taken some shots. We've gone through some stuff, but we get right back up. We're not destroyed. We're not backing up. We're always pressing forward. We may have to dig our heels in every now and then and hold our position, but we're not backing up. Paul was never forsaken by the Lord. And as I said, he was struck down. Acts fourteen nineteen tells us that Paul was stoned and left for dead, but he was not destroyed. He didn't die. They thought he was dead. But the Lord spared his life so that he can continue to preach the gospel, tell people the good news, and testify of God's deliverance. So let's get real. Stuff's going to happen. It's called warfare. Why are you so shocked? Why are you so shocked when the enemy gets in a punch? I know I've shared this. I've been a spar, I've been a fighter. I've got a black belt. I've done security. I've been in in uh, riot situations. I've been in dangerous situations, and the Lord knows one thing about me: I do not like to get hit. If you hit me, especially if you hit me in my face, I get mad. I don't like that. But the Lord had to teach me, son. You gotta learn how to take a punch you got to learn how to roll with the punches. And it's taken me all these years. I'm almost 64 years old, and I think I finally got it. Saved for almost 32 years come this October. And I think I finally got it. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 12. And Yeshua's power and authority transcends all the rival powers, whether human or spiritual, in this age or in the coming age, whether then or now. You know why? 1 Peter 3.22 tells me that he's gone up into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter what he asks me to do, I've been sent in his authority. And the enemy may fight back. The enemy may get in a shot here and there. We've suffered some shots. We've suffered some really bad ones. But we made it through. Because it's a calling. There's an end game. And the game hasn't ended yet. So we look at Paul. And we understand this. And, and somebody out there really needs to hear this. The providential hand of God was controlling Paul's persecutions, keeping them within manageable proportions. While well, you thought it would destroy you, it didn't. It strengthened you, It gave you a testimony, it gave you deliverance, you overcame. Paul's career, his missionary career was dangerous. And at any time he could have suffered martyrdom. And some of the hardships he endured include the possibility of death, but you know what? He was following the Lord's pattern. It says it in Galatians 6:17. From now on, let no person trouble me by making it necessary for me to vindicate my apostolic authority and the divine truth of my gospel, for I bear on my body the brand, marks, of the Lord Jesus. I don't know Yeshua. The wounds. Scars and other outward evidence of persecutions, these testify to his ownership of me. Do you have a testimony? That's one of the things I love about being able to speak in public to groups of people Do you have a testimony? Did God do something great for you? And that was one of the things we tried to do here, and it it worked for a while. For many years, people would send in stuff, and sometimes we would go half the show with the testimonies, the praise reports, and the prayer requests, and it kind of trickled out for whatever reason. I'm good with that. It was time for a change. But do you have a testimony? Or are you just going to whine and cry about what the devil does? He doesn't need your testimony. But whatever you experience in this life with the Lord, it strengthens you because He strengthens you. It sustains you because He sustains you. And no matter how weak you feel, He's strong. The other thing that God's deliverance of Paul was evidence that Yeshua is alive. Pretty simple to me. Hey, this is what I made it through. The Lord delivered me of all those demons. Gave me back my wife and my family. That's how I know he's real. That's how I know he's alive. Signs and wonders, I know he's alive. Other people saved, healed, and delivered, I know he's alive. So no matter what you suffer, no matter what you go through... You're living the life he lived. He went through those things. Jesus, the disciples. I found this quote by Alexander McLaren. He says, Only he who can say the Lord is the strength of my life can say of whom shall I be afraid. And we'll stop right there because the next part takes us in a direction about. Now we're going to do something. We're going to speak out. We're going to do something. But I hope that this first part of the kingdom life is getting you to wake up to the fact that if you want to be a part of this life, sitting home and resting on your laurels, let's call it that, isn't an option hiding isn't an option. Now you can do that. You can just sit back and chill in the darkness and wait for the Lord to come back or for the Lord to take you home, but you're going to have to take a stand. We're we're heading very quickly to a point in American in this world where you're going to have to take a stand. It's happening, folks. The spirit of the antichrist is roaming about He's getting people ready to bow down to him. He's getting people ready to kiss his feet. He's getting people ready to huddle in fear. You're going to have to take a stand. When they start attacking you, you know, they can pull down, you know, they want to pull down the statues of Jesus. I really don't have a problem with that. You know why? Because he told us not to make them anyway, and they don't even look like him. He's not some European guy. He's a he's a Jew. But sooner or later, you're going to have to take a stand. Because once they come for the statues and once they come for the churches, they're coming for you. And you may think your politicians who you elected into office will do something. I got news for you folks. When it gets really, really bad, they're not going to do anything. The only hope you have is the Lord. The only help you're going to have is the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have to decide to take a stand. Father, we just come to you now because you are, Lord, the strength of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? You have put your spirit inside of us. You have marked us with the blood. You have taken away the fear of death. This world holds no sway over us. We know where we're going. We know who controls our life. I know unequivocally that only you decide when I die. Not man, not spirit, not demon, not fallen angel, not even Hasatan himself. My trust is in you. My hope is in you, Lord. My faith is in you. Lord, I'm praying for your children. I'm praying that they wake up. I'm praying that they rise up. I'm praying that they spend time in your glory. I'm praying that they get transformed, that they put aside all the things that are holding them back, put aside all the false teaching and the preconceived notions and get back to basics, red-letter basics, find their way back to the foot of the cross, find themselves in the empty tomb and then that upper room and get filled with that fire. We need some fire, Lord. We need people that have it in them to get stoked up. Throw some gasoline on it. Throw some wood on it. We need people that radiate in the darkness. We need people that are going to lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. And we need people to cast out demons, raise the dead, help the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. No more games, no more drama. Let those who want the smoke and the mirrors and the lights, let them have it. Don't have time for that. The world's dying. People are dying. There's a kingdom, a kingdom of God to serve. So, Lord, touch us. Let this word go deep into us. Spirit, have your way with us and use us. I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
0: This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code notebook and August 16th. Under Armour, offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.